Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here's today's message. Well, today we're going to be jumping into a new sermon series, but last week we talked about James chapter 2, and I always like to kind of recap what we talked about last week in case you missed last week's sermon. So last week we looked at James chapter 2, and James is basically, it's like a New Testament proverb book. He's got many different sayings, and he kind of jumps all over the place. But last week in James chapter 2, he talked about us becoming partial. There was a church that was really struggling that was being partial towards certain people. And James kind of points this out. There was, if a poor man walked in or if a rich man walked in, they got treated differently. And James talks about this, and James challenges us that church, we should have no partiality towards people, especially when we assemble. And James, he just basically talks about how if you are not welcoming people, and loving people, you are breaking the royal law, is which he says, the law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And I kind of challenged us. I recognize in today and within churches, when you come to church, you kind of get used to talking to your friends and to your people. But James challenges us to be thinking outside of just your people, to view when you come to the assembly, when you come to worship, when you come to gather, it's not about you and your people, it's about you being willing to greet and welcome new people. And I, I challenged us on us that, or last week here. Well, this week we are going to be, to be shifting gears, and we're going to be jumping back into James every once in a while. I kind of want to jump into the book of James a few times a year, but this week we are going to be starting a new series today, and today's series is called The Road of a Disciple. And I'm going to be taking this for the next uh, probably four to five weeks. We are mostly going to be spending our time in Matthew chapter 10. This is when Jesus sends out his disciples. But today we're going to back up just a little bit. Just the few verses setting up Matthew 10. And we're going to be, be, uh, be looking at today Matthew 9 in the last four verses there. But what we are going to see today is we're going to get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus' ministry. Why did Jesus come? What did he do? And these last four verses in Matthew 9 is kind of a summary of why Jesus came. And I think that, that it really sets up Matthew 10 very nicely. We who are followers of Jesus, we are on the road of being a disciple. What does that road look like? How did Jesus view mankind. We're going to be looking at that today in Matthew chapter 9. And if you have your Bibles, it's Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And I want to read these, these four verses with you today, and then we're going to talk about them and look at, at what Jesus is teaching us today. So verse 35, and it says this, and it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into the harvest. Let us pray this morning as we dive into God's word. Heavenly Father, as we, as we come to seek you and to look to your word, I pray, Lord, that we will find you this morning. Father, may your Holy Spirit be working upon our hearts and lives. And may we see the heart that you have for mankind. And Lord, may we be a people that catch that heart and that vision and live it out. Father, I thank you this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is interesting because I said this is kind of a summary. In verse 35, and we're going to kind of take this verse by verse today. In verse 35, it's a summary of why Jesus came and what he did. And this isn't the only place where you are going to see this summary. It's a very general summary of what Jesus did. If you uh, look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we get almost the same wording. And it says, he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction amongst the people. I said this is kind of a general summary, but what we see here is that this is the heart of Jesus' ministry. If somebody ever asks you, why did Jesus come? Look to this verse. This verse kind of summarizes the overall theme on why Jesus came. What did, he, what did Jesus come for? And it says that he came and went to the villages and to the cities. And it's interesting because it points out the location here. And I want to kind of give you a little bit of Bible knowledge here. Uh, you may want this or not, but I'm going to give it to you anyways here. So Jesus, it mentions here that Jesus goes to, to the synagogues. And this is very, very interesting here. Because the, the, the synagogue back then was the place where everybody gathered to worship. This was the place where, where basically if you wanted to learn about God, if you wanted to, to be hearing who this God is, you went here. And it was a very natural place for where Jesus to go. Jesus would go there. This wasn't out of the ordinary. This wasn't strange. It was very natural within that culture for Jesus to go to that place to be teaching. And I just kind of point that out because it's very similar to churches today. We come to church for what reason? There, there is fellowship, and you might come here because you enjoy the coffee. I get that. But oftentimes, we come to church to learn and to grow in God. And back then, that was what was happening. So, 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 so Jesus went to these places because it was natural for the people to go there, and they would, people would come. And this was um, not just on Saturdays within, within Jewish culture, but they had different feasts and different times. But you could go there and you could teach and you could talk. And Jesus went there to teach about the kingdom of heaven. Now, there is, there is two words here that it says Jesus came to teach about the gospel and about the kingdom of heaven. And, and these two words are very important to this scripture verse. Now, Many of you probably already know what this word gospel means. If you don't, this is like church 101. The word gospel simply means good news. Jesus came to bring good news, and he came to bring good news about the kingdom. Now here, it, it, it just says the kingdom. It doesn't say the kingdom of heaven, and we could talk more on this, but those are basically interchangeable. Jesus came to bring good news to the people, and he came to, to bring the good news of the kingdom that God has. 
See, Jesus' kingdom, and this is, um, I'm not going to get too deep into this area here this morning because I just, we could go down this entire rabbit trail all morning. But the kingdom of heaven is so important in the gospel of Matthew. He uses it constantly. And there is this idea that when Jesus comes, or when Jesus came, he came to usher in a new kingdom. Now, some of you might be like sitting there thinking, well, isn't the kingdom like after we die? It's both and. Jesus, when he came, when he walked, he brought the kingdom of heaven with him to usher it in on earth. Now, there's a kingdom waiting for us, but, but it's this it's a little bit confusion here, and that's why I said I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I'm probably going to do an entire series just on the kingdom of heaven. But it says here that Jesus came to bring the good news and to bring the good news of the kingdom of heaven down. Jesus came to usher in this new kingdom for us. Now, it also says Jesus, he came not just with his words. He didn't just come talking. He came, he talked about the gospel, he talked about God's kingdom, but he also, Scripture says, he says, he healed every disease and every affliction. I think that that is so vital for us to recognize who this Jesus was and what he did. He didn't just come to talk. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, these are Jesus' teaching. Jesus came to teach, but he also came with action. He came and he was bringing something with him. He was healing diseases. He was taking care of people. Now, if you've ever read Scripture, you know this. If you read any gospel, you could pretty much open up any gospel almost within any chapter, and you're going to read about a time Jesus healing or Jesus taking care of people. This is the very nature, church, of who God is. God's very nature towards mankind is to take care of us is to bring the good news of what he has done for us. And he doesn't just bring words, but he brings deeds along with it. And, and that's going to be what we're going to be hitting on in the weeks to come, because he's going to give this same authority to the disciples. Verse 36, I want to reread verse 36 for us, because um, this is probably one of my, my favorite verses in this section. It says this, When he saw the crowds... So remember, this is just general. When Jesus sees the people, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I love how one scholar put it. He said this. He said, we, what, what we are to see here is not purely human pity that Jesus had upon us, but divine compassion for troubled people. This is the very heart of God towards humankind. Jesus recognizes here the state of mankind. He looks out, he sees the people, he realizes that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, who does this apply to? Like, say, like, is this just everyone? And the answer to that question is yes. Jesus' view of, of mankind, as Jesus came, as Jesus walked, as he looked to the crowds, he looked out and he sees people. 
And he recognizes a couple of things about them. They're helpless. They're harassed. You could say downtrodden. He looks out and he sees people and he recognizes these people need a shepherd. These people are lost. These people don't even know better. He looks out and this is what God sees towards mankind. Now, now you might be, be sitting there thinking, well, is this even people today? You know, like, I mean, I mean, some of, some of us here, you got a pretty good life right now, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not really helpless, and I'm not really harassed, and I'm not, I don't really feel like a sheep without a shepherd. The reality is this, is God, as he sees mankind, he recognizes that there is this great need within us, a need that this world cannot fulfill. Now, you might be doing really good in life right now. You might be killing it at your job. You might have been getting promotions. You know, some of you college students, you might have finally gotten the date that you have been looking for for the last several. Your life might be going really, really well on the outside. But Jesus doesn't, doesn't just see life on the outside. Our life might be going super well. And we may not feel like this. But... What is the state of someone's soul outside of Christ Jesus? What's the state of mankind outside of Christ? So you have Christ here who comes for the world. And if you're outside of Christ, what's your state? Scripture teaches it's not good. Your eternity is not good. So you may be doing very well in this life, Things in this life might be going very well for you, but outside of Christ, you have nothing. So when Jesus looks out, when, when Jesus sees mankind, he doesn't just see what's happening on the outward. He recognizes that mankind is in need of a shepherd. Mankind is in need of a savior. And so often, we can get this so mixed up here at church. We, we can sometimes forget this. We can sometimes miss this, that your life might be going really, really well. And let's just say your entire life goes really well. What do you got, 85 years here, 90 years? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on 75 for myself personally. But let's just say you live 85 really good years outside of Christ. It's still not that good. Scripture, scripture points to us and makes it very, very clear that outside of Jesus, outside of Christ, the destiny is not heaven. And when Jesus looks out, he sees mankind in this light. He recognizes that they are helpless people, that they need a savior, that they need someone to come to them to rescue them. And I love this terminology here because if you have read Old Testament or just scripture, Jesus says, we're like sheep without a shepherd. This is not the only reference here. As you read the entire Old Testament in Kings and Chronicles and Isaiah and Ezekiel, it all constantly points out that mankind, us, us human beings, us walking here, we're like sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you've ever studied sheep, I'm not going to get into, into studying sheep here, but uh, sheep are not the brightest animals. Um, sheep need a shepherd constantly. Even if they, they have a shepherd, there's still dangers all around us. Sheep need to be led. 
And this is one false thing that has, I don't know, taken place within our society that, that, that somehow people actually believe that they don't need to be led. Like, you know, like, and I don't know if this is just the American culture or what, but like we have bought into a lie that we don't need someone to lead us. I'm telling you, church, we need someone. That someone's found in Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus sees us in this light. And he says, they need a shepherd. They need a shepherd that's going to lead them to green pastures. Besides still waters is what Psalms 23 says. And I, I share this with us today because we need to recognize that this is the state of mankind. This isn't just like, you know, well, maybe this could be true. The state of mankind outside of Christ is terrible, even if everything on the outside looks fantastic. Jesus recognizes, I need to come. I need to bring this gospel to these people. I'm, I'm going to bring it to them. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to heal them because this is who they are, and this is who we are. So, so Jesus looks out with eyes of love towards us, but the very thing we need is Christ himself. And I think that it is important, church, for us to really, really recognize this. Do you actually believe that every human being on this earth needs Jesus? Or do you slightly believe that all religions are okay? Because that, that false has been pushed upon our culture and upon our world so much that, oh, it, it doesn't matter as long as that you're spiritual, as long as that you think good thoughts. You know, there's this whole idea out there that it's just like, well, you know, as long as that you're a good person. The reality is, is that Scripture teaches very, very clearly, the world needs Jesus Christ. The entire world. No matter who you are, no matter what your ethnic background is, whether you're from India or from Canada, it doesn't matter. The world needs Jesus. The world needs a Savior. And Jesus is pointing this out here. He looks at us and he recognizes all of mankind is in this same boat. We're all sinful. We all have done things wrong and we need someone to forgive us of our sins. But it's important for us to get down that thought because these next verses here, the last two verses in this section, Jesus is going to kind of almost kind of shift gears a little bit because we kind of see this summary. This is who Jesus is. He came to bring good news. He came to bring God's kingdom. He came to bring healing, to take care of sheep without a shepherd. And then he looks to the disciples. And this is, you got to kind of like catch this one here. So this is like a summary, and then this is what Jesus says. These are famous verses in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, those who are following him, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, guys, look around. Just, just look around. Look at the world that you are living in. Just, just take a moment and look around. Do you see this? Do you see that on every street corner, in every shop, every place you are going to go, the harvest is plentiful. Meaning, 
there's a lot of people in this world that don't know Christ yet. And Jesus looks to his disciples and says, just look around, church. Look at every coffee shop. Look at where you work. Go to any place. Walk on campus. We all know this to be true if we actually stop and think about it. No matter where we go, no matter who we work with, everywhere out there, the majority of people don't know Jesus yet. And Jesus is pointing this out to the disciples right away, saying, look around. They are everywhere. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but there's a problem. There's not enough laborers. Basically saying, this world is in need of Christ, but there's not enough people to bring the good news there. And then Jesus says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the field. There are people everywhere that need to hear the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. No matter where we go, they're, they're there. And Jesus says, I want you to pray. Pray that there will be more laborers for this harvest. Now, this idea of praying for workers, it is interesting what happens when mankind prays. A couple of, couple of different things happen during prayer. Now, you guys may already know this, but we pray to God and we say, God, we need more workers. Lord, we need more workers for the harvest. And Jesus commands us to do that here, so we are going to do that. Lord, send more workers. But do you know what else happens during prayer? It's not just us asking God to do something. What happens during prayer, this is true. You listen to anyone's story about, about uh realizing God's call upon their life is that when we're praying to God, something changes within us. It's not just God work on my behalf, but as we pray as human beings, things start to change within us. And I think this is why Jesus says, I want you to pray for more workers. I want you to pray that there would be more workers to bring this good news to the world because what happens is that within mankind, we start to say this, Maybe I could be a worker. God, as I'm, as I'm praying here, um, and I've been thinking about all these lost people and thinking about all these people that don't know you yet, you start to internalize it and you start to realize, God, maybe you're calling me here. Like, maybe I could be a part of this work. And I believe that's exactly what God wants. I believe that when men and women who are following Jesus, start to recognize the need of this world. And as we pray as what Jesus tells us to pray, something inside of us changes to where we start to look at this world recognizing, man, this world needs Christ. Man, there, I know so many people that don't know you, Jesus. Jesus, I want to be one of your, your workers. Lord, send me out. And for some reason, within our culture and within like church culture, we have like believed this lie that the work of God's kingdom is for professionals. That like, the, that like in order for you to become a worker in God's kingdom, you need to be like a pastor. Like, you know, you need to go to seminary or you need to become like a full-time missionary to like Africa. That is not the case at all, church. Like, not even close. 
If you are a follower of Jesus, and if you want to walk the road of being a disciple, part of that road is us being one of God's workers. One of his people that will be sent out to the harvesting fields. And I do find it to be sad that so often within churches, and I'm not just picking on our church, I'm just saying a lot of, a lot of churchgoers on Sunday morning seriously believe that the work of the kingdom is left for their pastor. Well, that's pastor's job. He gets paid for that. You know, that's, no, no. <laughs> the work of the kingdom is for the church. You know, like it's, it's for everyone. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the work is for us to go out to the harvest to bring the good news of Jesus to this world. And I've actually shared this, I shared this one, this statistic several months ago. Um, they've actually studied this. There is like 75% of churchgoers will never share the gospel with someone else. This has been like studied, they've like looked at it. There are so many people that come to church on a Sunday morning that will never take the message outside of church. And I, as, as a pastor, that breaks my heart. Because the very nature of who God is and what the role of being a disciple is, that if we're going to follow Jesus, the goal is to bring the message outside of church, to share with this world around us, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done for you and for me. This is the, the greatest news ever. And Jesus says, we need more workers. We need people that are willing to bring the gospel outside of the church walls. We need people that will be sent out. And my challenge for us, church, is to recognize that's who we are. Like, as a disciple of Jesus, if you are sitting here and if you are claiming that, yes, Lord, I follow you, Jesus, I want to follow you, then the work of his kingdom is to bring the gospel everywhere you go. You're at a coffee shop. You're at work. It doesn't matter where you end up. You might be at a gas station and opportunities come. And now I, I recognize like in myself, like say like I have a personality that when I became a Christian X amount of years ago and as I started following Christ, I just made it a mission of mine personally to try to live these out. Now I don't, I don't do it perfectly and I'm not claiming that, but when I walk into two situations, I personally think every single time, God, what do you have here? You guys know I spend a lot of time at Baby Cakes. I'm there thinking, God, what do you have here today? What opportunity is, is available today? Lord, I don't, I don't know what is going to happen, but I'm willing to bring your gospel today. And that is the mindset believers have to have. Now, it may be opportunities to bring word. Sometimes it's an opportunity to bring a deed, meaning you may have an opportunity to just simply help someone and show them the love of Christ but it doesn't just end there in just physical actions. Actions help open up opportunities for the gospel. If you're just sitting there saying, I just want to just bring the gospel, but you're not willing to do as what Jesus says. See, see, Jesus brought word and deed. In the church, we need to bring the deed and the word as well. 
I want to share with you how, 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 how Paul summarizes this in Romans chapter 10. That this whole idea of bringing the gospel to this world, that as a disciple, the road that we are on is to bring the gospel. Paul says this in Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 15. He says, For the scriptures say, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For someone to be saved, for someone to be made right with God, is to call on the name of the Lord. For them to call on the name of Jesus Christ. But how is that going to happen? Well, he's going to answer that in verse 14. He says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? Basically saying, how is this going to happen? And how are they to believe in him on whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. He makes this entire argument. Okay, the world gets saved by calling on the name of Jesus. How is that going to happen? How are people going to know this if nobody tells them? How are they going to hear about it unless somebody shares it with them? And this is the heart of being a disciple of Jesus. If we are walking this road, church, I want to truly challenge you for you to have a mindset to be saying, God, how can I bring this good news to the world around me? You might be thinking, well, I don't have enough scripture verses memorized, and I'm not very elegant, and I don't know this, and I don't. It's like excuse after excuse after excuse. Pray for opportunity. I'd say first and foremost, pray, God, give me opportunity. Help me, Lord, just to be walking, to be living my life, and I want to see opportunity, and help me to be a person that steps out in faith, that will find an opportunity and will just step into it. And Jesus actually promised his disciples that you don't have to worry about what, what you're going to say. He actually says this. He says, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, because you're a follower, will actually give you words, will give you wisdom, will give you knowledge. And he will lead you and he will guide you. And church, that's what I want to be challenging us with today. If we are on this road of following Jesus, that road leads us to bringing the good news to the world around us, to recognizing that every person, every one of God's creations needs this gospel of Jesus. They desperately need it because every human being is a sheep without a shepherd and they need to be introduced to the great shepherd of Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you this week, be thinking like that. Tomorrow morning, when you get ready to go to work, to be thinking, God, I want to bring your message to this world. I don't know how. I'm a little bit nervous. I don't always know what to say. But God, you have called me to live this out as your disciple. And I will do that. And when opportunities come, you will know it. And I guarantee you that if you pray for it, God opens up opportunities. He will open them up for you all the time. And you'll say, God, I had no idea 
that this is how this operates. And it's one of the most exciting things, church. I can tell you this. Being a part of God's activity, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Literally, you could fire me as your pastor, and I would still be wanting to live this out every single day. God, I want to bring your kingdom message to this world because that's what's going to save this world. That's what's going to heal this world. That's what this world needs right now. And as you watch the news, I don't think that there's any better message than to bring is the message of Christ. How are we going to see people healed and forgiveness reign without Christ? It's not going to happen. I want you to stand and I want to pray for us this morning as you guys um, go and we will continue on next week in Matthew chapter 10. But I'd like to uh, pray for you and, um, as we go out today. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your, uh, for your word today. Father, I pray over this church. I pray for your people to do your work. Father, I pray for opportunity this week. I pray for circumstances this week that as we meet different needs and as we love people and care for them, Lord, give us opportunity to share what your son has done for the world. Father, you lead us. And I pray, Lord, that over these, these next several weeks as we look at how your disciples get sent out, may you grow us in your faith, in our faith for you. Father, you take care of us. And I praise you now, and I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.